Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. say uh let me guess we're leading the gold medal count i don't know about gold but total medals probably we probably are i don't i have no idea I don't it always goes usa china and not russia this year because uh they are absent in well a big lot ways. of them are absent, a lot yeah. Are absent yeah um if you're not watching the olympics they're pretty cool yeah you want to talk about top of the level like top of the line athletes doing literally the best competition in the world for certain things Every, every year I say, oh, I'm not that interested in the Olympics this year. And then I watch like as much of it as possible. Like I have it on constantly when I'm at home and I have it on at work. Oh, it's great background watching material for sure. Yeah, it's it's just crazy to watch people at, you're right, at that level of, and everything's on the line for them. Like, yeah. you know, it's not like they. Right, they, they don't get to compete next year. Right, exactly. And some of them, most of them, probably this is their only chance at the Olympics or maybe they've got one more chance or they had one chance before. It's it's pretty crazy. Um, super fun to watch. There's probably a few days le- left when you're actually, yeah. When you're listening to this, there's probably a few days mm-hmm. left. Yeah. So check how's out my- it going, everybody? After you've checked out the Olympics, come back and watch the Command Zone. It's your favorite Commander podcast. I know it's mine. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. Uh, we have a fun one today. We're finally completing the Color Wheel episodes. We did all of them. Just like it's like deck doctors. For some reason, like we are like, here we go, guys. We're doing this thing. All right, see you later, guys. We're not doing that thing for a while anymore. Uh, we just got busy with other stuff, and then we didn't have a chance to finish up. But people have been bugging us, so we are going to do blue. Yeah, finally. Well, save I mean, the best for last. To save the best for last. And after we get through this episode, I think you guys will understand, like, yeah, we we really... The color... We're everyone. I feel like everyone kind of innately knows blue. <laughs> this is the... I don't know. It's interesting. I, I love the color wheel. It's the golden goose of magic. It's one of, I think it's probably the single thing that makes magic what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason that the game has remained vibrant for so long is because of color separation, even though it's not the first thing you think of. Yeah. Um, but it, it definitely makes the game uh, unique in ways that other games really can't compete with. 
Yeah, and uh, we'll get into this a little bit later, but Hearthstone recently had a big controversy. Because, they're running into, into problems. Yeah, they're releasing their Homeland slash Alliances set, you know, and people are upset. They're finding out it's not easy. It's easier at first, and it's hard to continue, so magic's a yeah. pretty amazing thing. Something else that's amazing is Card Kingdom. Oh, yeah. Our sponsor. <laughs> Uh, Segwayman. <laughs> Mirror, I imagine the guy in the Segway just rolling past. Like, uh, oh, thanks, dude. Thanks, man. Uh, that is true, actually, because Card Kingdom has been our sponsor now for several episodes, and it's been a blast because having, I mean, I don't know, like, I do a lot of random sponsored deals on my channels, on the, my random, like, social medias, and if you're not into the thing that's sponsoring you, it's like, all right, it's a job. I'm doing this for the monetary benefit. I know I don't like shoving ads down people's throats, but I'm happy to talk about Card Kingdom every time it comes up because I mean, you have, great. I'm the opposite of you. I've never been sponsored by anything for anything. <laughs> and yet I can't imagine that it's common practice to get this much feedback from your, you know, your listeners or your fan base about your sponsor and how great it is. Yeah, actually, I've never had this level of just people just tweeting on their own accord like, hey, did something with Card Kingdom. Thanks for recommending them. Like, check it out. This was dope. And I'm like, wow. Like, I did some stuff for, like, eBay back in the day, and I was like, no one tweeted me being like, eBay's the best, Jimmy. It's like, no. <laughs> you know? We get tons. Like, yeah. here, uh, Alex Avillian, Avillian, I don't know how to pronounce it. Sorry, Alex. Says, Command Cast, thanks for turning me on to Card Kingdom. Just got an awesome order, faster and in awesome quality. He said awesome twice. That's a that's, that's how a, awesome it was. <laughs> notable. <laughs> uh, what else we got on here? Um, uh, someone posted a picture of a... Uh, pre-release promo of Ishkana Graf Widow Ishkana from Will W.T. Robinson made my first purchase with Card Kingdom can confirm all the great stuff that has been said so thanks confirmed remember to use the affiliate link oh, yeah. cardkingdom.com I almost completely forgot <laughs> cardkingdom.com slash, slash command zone and you know I, I actually ordered from them and forgot myself to put it in and you can just ping them and let them know mm -hmm. which is good because like we, we've been saying, it is the best way to support the show. You know, we don't have a Patreon or any other way that you need to, you know, go about supporting us except for just let Card Kingdom know that we're the ones that sent you there. Okay. Thank you. Oh, man. Uh, so We buried the lead on this before. We buried the lead. Yeah. Here, pretend like we said this before we talked about Card Kingdom for a few minutes. We're, today's episode, we're doing Color Wheel Blue, but before that, we have a spoiler card for Conspiracy 2. But first, here's some words about Card Kingdom. So, I was on Card Kingdom the other day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're fast forward. We're there. We're there. We, we made it there. We have a spoiler for Conspiracy 2. Oh, my goodness. Two things here. One, we have a spoiler for Conspiracy 2. Sweet. Two, Conspiracy 2. Two. <laughs> it's coming out. Man, this year has been insane. Yes, there have been so many releases back to back. I don't think... I've, I mean, I've only been playing the game for a couple of years when I returned to it, and this is, I've just been overwhelmed. EMA, EMN, everything. And then Kaladesh comes out right after that, too? Oh, my gosh. This, it just feels like, it's like, boom, 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 boom. Every time you turn around, there's a new set coming out. Um, it's super exciting. Conspiracy 2, Jimmy, Conspiracy, we were like, we played the heck out of that set. Super excited for this one. It's basically like Commander draft format. Yeah, and for those of us that aren't interested in drafting as much, it also reprints a bunch of really great cards and new ones like Dak Faden and Marchesa, which is my favorite commander of all time, and they're all based around multiplayer tactics usually. Yep. Uh, and it's fantastic. Brago also came from this set, and that is a straight-up an EDH staple. So Conspiracy 2, I'm already immediately excited for it because Well, sequels, I've seen our spoiler card too. That makes me excited. Yeah, that too. Um, and sequels, by the way, always do better. 
they, they, they're not always better, but they always do better. Well, I mean, at the very least, you can iterate on what you did the first time, figure out the mistakes, especially when it's brand new, like Conspiracy was. Okay. So. I think movies might disagree with you about the sequels <laughs> thing in general, but Empire Strikes Back does exist. Spider-Man 2. <laughs> what? I love Empire Strikes Back, Spider-Man 2. They're both sequels that I think were better than the original. <laughs> Toy Story 2 was better than the original. That's really debatable because they're both great. Yeah, it's true. I'm not denying that the first one was just like poop because it was not. And Star great. Wars and Empire, I guess you could debate, but most people think Empire's. Second X-Men was pretty good too. X2. Yeah, yeah. I could go on. Okay. Avengers 2, just kidding. All right. <laughs> it was okay. Uh, all right. Our spoiler card. I'll. You go ahead and read it. You sure. do the honors here. It's... Man, this is a good one. This yeah. might be the best spoiler card for Commander we've ever gotten. Mm-hmm. I think it probably is. Yeah. So our spoiler for Conspiracy 2... Wait, Terry, ju- drum roll, please. ...is... A reprint? It's burgeoning! Holy crap. One green. Look at this brand new art uh, by Titus uh, Lunter, I think is his last name. If you don't uh, watch our show on YouTube, you should be just right now because the new art is sweet. Yeah, it's awesome. Burgeoning is a commander staple, but not really because it currently is an expensive card. That's in the mid-20s, I believe, for near-mids. Yeah, yeah. And, but no longer because burgeoning is coming back. Very exciting. You can open this in the pack of Conspiracy right now. It's just well, a rare. Right it's not even a mythic. Yeah, it's an enchantment for one green. It says whenever an opponent plays a land, you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. This card speaks for itself. Play it on turn one. By the time it gets back to you, you have five, four, four lands in play. This card is ridiculous. In fact, I find myself adding it to more and more in green decks. At first, I was like, nah, Nekusar, that's a good one. And then I was like... You're a five-color Nekusar. Yeah, and then I was, yeah, sorry, five-color Nekusar for those who don't know. Um, because you're drawing a lot of cards, so I need that. And then I was like, hmm, my rune deck kind of needs this. Because I'm drawing enough cards that I just have a lot of lands in my mm-hmm. hand. And then, you know, of course, get Rog or something like that. Uh, burgeoning is kind of like Fast Bond, which is banned. Definitely Fast Bond has broken things you can do that you can't do with Burgeoning because you can put so many lands into play. So there's combos with it. Mm-hmm. But in general, if you're not comboing off with Fast Bond, like it's in your opening hand, but none of the other combo pieces are, then Burgeoning's probably better for a as far as a, a card that's going to sit there and accrue you value yeah i think that's the big thing is that fastbond also has a big target sign on it and people will go like oh you know if it was legal right it'd be like great fastbond's coming out who knows what could happen it's kind of like why channel is banned as well yeah because you can just do something so broken so early but in general i'd say you know nine times out of ten or eight times out of ten burgeoning is better than fastbond it's just that in those two cases fastbond maybe wins before mm-hmm. anybody gets to do anything anyway burgeoning is becoming close to like a staple in my green decks now i'd say it started out as one two decks and now it's like does the deck have green i need a good reason not to put burgeoning in there yeah it would be a staple for me if i owned more yeah (laughs) i just bought a few like japanese burgeonings oh really i actually have zero so i'm really excited and i don't have any i don't have any oh this is the best for you yep we've seen this happen a lot uh someone plays armageddon oh yeah and then it's like well great we all have big hands, and this person's like played Armageddon with four lanes in their hand. They just win the game because of burgeoning, not because everyone's slowly trying to race back and put their lanes back in play and play their signets or whatever. Nope, burgeoning. Burgeoning with like uh, evacu no, not evacuation, sunder. Sorry, evacuation's creatures. Sunder is bounces all lands, including your own, but it's an instant, so you can do cool things like sunder on, yeah. on your opponent's upkeep. 
and then they were going to play one of their lands because they got bounced back to their hand. You play. So you Sundered. Everybody has one land, but you've got five lands. Yeah, it's like the Blues version of Armageddon is Sunder. Uh, and burgeoning is just... It, it just gets you out so far ahead in any part of the game almost when you play it. If you just have good card draw with burgeoning, which you should already have, this is going to ramp you more, just in, in a lot of ways better than a lot of cards. Yeah, it, card draw plus burgeoning is just... You're going to be so ahead on lands. Anyway, we go on, 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 and on, and on, and, and on, on, and on, and on, and on. About but, Yeah, but we have another conspiracy card that's not our spoiler, but it's still sweet that we it's want to really talk about. It's really sweet, yeah. This is Kaya Ghost Assassin. Do you want to read her? Sure. Kaya Ghost Assassin. Two, a white and a black, four mana total. For a Planeswalker, Kaya, five loyalty. She has no plus ability. Hmm. Her zero ability is exile Kaya Ghost Assassin or up to one target creature. Return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of your next upkeep, you lose two life. So you can either flicker Kaya or a creature, and it comes back at your next upkeep. Important. We'll talk about that in a minute. Her negative one, each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. And her negative two, each opponent discards a card and you draw a card. This... First of all, we should say this card was designed by our friend, Glenn Jones. Glenn Jones, uh, a former co-host of the Masters of Modern, our sister podcast, now up at Wizards of the Coast doing awesome stuff. Glenn also designed a card called Imprisoned in the Moon from uh, Eldritch Moon, which is really cool. And Glenn seems to be designing cards directly for us. It feels that way. Thank you, Glenn. Good I don't job, know if Glenn. it's on purpose, but we love it. Keep and the it cards up. are also super fun and very flavorful and powerful. So. Yeah, this card is sneaky good, I think. Um, listen, the negative one, each opponent loses two life, so you gain two life. It's okay. It's really good in something like Alia, which we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uncle Carl likes it. Uh, Aloro decks probably like it. It'll um, be absurd in Conspiracy Draft. Yeah, it's, oh, this sure. card's going to be insane <laughs> in Draft. Um, the negative two, which is each opponent discards a card and you draw a card, super good. Mm-hmm. Normally, just drawing a card is okay. Making everybody discard a card, again, okay. But when you combine those, you're basically like, I mean, that's that's real actual card advantage. Like, yeah. For, if three people lose a card and you draw a card, that's three down across the board and one up for you. Yeah, that's, it's basically, it's not exactly equivalent, but close to like drawing three cards in that in that instance. Uh, super powerful. And then the flicker thing, I think I'm calling it flicker, but I don't know what it's called when it actually returns on your next upkeep. It's the assassination. I think it's blinker blinker. It's flicking flicking anyway, the flicker. Well, yeah, this is also a lot of people have, um, drawn parallels to what is it? Opposite dot ghost council Mm -hmm. because it has a similar flicker thing. Now you lose two life, which not a big deal for us. Here's the thing. I feel like a lot of planeswalkers, you get in these situations where you're like staring at it and you're like, well, if I play this out, they can just attack it and kill it. Mm-hmm. So unless I can play a creature to block for it, then I can't play it. And if I play a creature, then I don't have enough mana to play it. So either way, I'm not playing this Planeswalker right now. Yeah, Kaya, you can play immediately zero and exile her until your next upkeep. And you can just keep doing that. So yeah, she's not accruing you value, but you got to get her out of your hand. And then when yep. you do play the blocker or something that stops them from being able to attack her somehow, then she's ready to go. She's ready to do her other modes. Yeah, that's a nice thing. Is you can also do a creature as well. So this is great on turn four uh, when, you, let's say, you don't have anything else to do uh, with your hand. It's also great on like, turn eight when you have a creature that is absurd when it gets flickered, like a Craterhoof Behemoth. Yep. So if you're playing an Obzon deck, then that is 
just awesome because it's like great you play the creative you can swing out and then kai will be like all right come back next time and you get to do it again uh, now normally flicker effects are just very powerful so that's why eldrazi displacer is absurd yep kai's is weird because it just takes so long for it to get back so you have to realize that like you do it and you have to wait until your next upkeep so that's an entire turn cycle but if it's a card that you really want to stay alive um, you can protect you it. You can protect it. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. Is like she can also kind of hide a card in her wherever she's coming from, right? This she'll put it in this house behind her in the art, and then the card will stay there. And be like, can I come out yet? And you're like, yes, you may. Very important card to this person's deck slash win con, and that pops back out during the next upkeep. So keep in mind you have an entire turn up until your second main phase where you get to use the card, the creature if you're going to exile it with Kaya, and then it pops out and then pops back in so it's not like you can't swing with it or whatever but then it it's will. just going to come back on your upkeep but the problem is then it would have summoning sickness so it yep. couldn't swing again crater hoof obviously works because it got haste well the other thing is up to one target creature you can do an opponent's creature mm -hmm. which means something like a blightsteel colossus or something that's big and scary that doesn't have an etb effect you can keep it locked down forever as long as yeah. nobody kills kaya because it comes back on your upkeep do it again comes back on your upkeep do it again. That's a really good point. And it's going to be very interesting because the timing is kind of crazy. Because if it's a person right to your left, then doing it puts it out of commission for a while. If it's a person to your right, you know. No, it's still till your next upkeep. Well, so. I know it's still to your next upkeep, but like that person, you know, it's just like how everyone, like, will that person get three people to take a turn against that person if they're right to your right? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. So if it's like, hey, I'm going to take away his biggest blocker, can you take this person out now? Then, yeah, let's go for it. So she assassinates it but in a ghostly way because it comes back. <laughs> in a ghostly way, yeah. yeah. I guess we know how ghosts assassinate. They just flicker things. <laughs> I mean, pretty much. Flinker. Flinker? Uh, blicker. Uh, I don't know how what to call it when it comes back during your upkeep. Whatever. Blupkeep. <laughs> Blupkeep. We're going with that. Oh, iTunes reviews. Good job, everybody. We got there. We got there. Uh, we also got there because a lot of people, I think, um, were confused. Uh, you didn't, it's best to do it on a, a computer. Uh, you know, one of those things that has a keyboard attached to it. I, I mean, it makes sense. We're all very used to having, I have podcast yeah. apps on my phone. I don't listen to them on my computer. So it's like, oh, how am I supposed to, you know, get there from here? Also, um, iTunes is free and it's available on Mac and PC. So yes. there's no, no cost. Yeah, you can actually, you can purchase things, but you don't have to. So going on iTunes and reviewing us doesn't cost anything. Um, again, you guys did an awesome job. We got a whole lot. We're really excited about that. We appreciate it. Yeah. All right. And we'll be picking a winner from it soon. Enough housekeeping. Yeah, seriously. That was a lot of housekeeping. Uh, if you guys are listening to this, you can jump to like the... the f oh, wait. The, I, you're, I, you're already there. You're already there. Jump to it. right here. Boop. Good job. Today's episode is the Color Wheel series we have returned for the final color. The blue. best color. Yeah, the best color. Blue starts with B for a reason. Um, so... Uh, because we haven't done this in a while, I'll do the whole spiel. Uh, Richard Garfield is the guy that invented Magic the Gathering, and he based his game on his philosophies towards five different colors, what they represented, and how they interact. We now call it the color wheel or the color pie. It's essentially a circle, and he arranged the colors in a pentagonal shape, because there's five of them, so that each color's neighbor, the one next to it, would have a related philosophy, and each color's uh, distant neighbor, which is two away, uh, would have the opposite philosophy, so they were allies and enemies. Um, now, in Magic, the color wheel is obviously what makes the game the game. Uh, each color has different mechanics, different strengths, weaknesses, and flavor. And so this series is the final episode in breaking down all of the rest of the colors. We've done every other color. We haven't done artifacts because it's not part of the color wheel. Right. Um, and we haven't done the sixth color of Magic Purple, which not very many people know about. 
it's secret. <laughs> <laughs> but if you guys want to check out those episodes, there are gonna be links in the uh, in the description below and all that, so you can go and check those out. All right. So the big thing about these episodes is that we want to talk about how the color functions in EDH and how you get to have the most fun with it, slash use it to the best of its abilities, and also understand where it's the weakest. We're being helped out today by Mark Rosewater. He's the head designer at Wizards, also known as Morrow. He's been doing this for the past 12, 13 years. And obviously he has a lot of really talented people under him, like Glenn Jones, uh, who designed Kaya that we talked about today. Our buddy Gavin. Yeah, our buddy Gavin Ver, who's been on the show. And uh, Glenn will actually, we can say he's going to be on the show as well to talk about conspiracy, but that's in the future. All right. Um, so Morrow did two series of articles on every single color. If you really want to get in depth, read those articles. They're really well done. Okay. The history of blue. So Mark Rosewater says, each color's view of the world is heavily influenced by the thing it values most. And blue, according to Mark, values perfection above everything else. And the way they go about trying to attain perfection is through knowledge. So Read some books. Yep. So knowledge is kind of the pastime of all blue mages in sun. Like they're they're always trying to attain knowledge because they believe that will lead them to perfection. Mm -hmm. In fact, you'll see these names on a lot of cards. Thirst for knowledge mm -hmm. is a blue card. Um, information is something that is very important to blue. Also control, uh, the ability to, because you're using your book smarts and you're just in general very intelligent and you know everything about the world, you're able to control it as a result. Um, blue is the color most linked up with technology as well because they're like, yo, we're going to use this technology to get smarter. Makes sense. Um, and well, and because like science has to do with research and study, so mm -hmm. they're not just wizards and stuff. They're also into science, and and that has to do with you know building technology of some kind. So yeah, and sometimes it has to be a frantic search in order to do it. <laughs> Frantic search for knowledge. For knowledge, yeah. Yeah. Um, and tabula rasa uh, is another thing that uh, is pervasive in blue. Um, now, we've talked about green before, and green comes from nature, and their belief is that you are born into your role. Like, if you're born a tree, you're going to be a tree. Blue is the opposite of that, where they believe that you're a blank slate upon birth, and whatever you become is up to you. Tabula rasa literally means blank slate, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. It was the name of a lost episode, I believe, the second one. That's when I first learned about it. I think it was the name of a video game at some point. Anyway. That makes sense. Um, so they, you have the potential to become anything. So improvement, adaptation, discovery, uh, the idea of education in itself is exactly that, where you can better yourself uh, with these things. So careful, deliberate decision-making. So to perfect the world around them. Dosing this them. is the reason that blue is the... It, you say here that it's one of my favorite colors. It's my favorite color. It's often the favorite color of magic players because what did we just say it's about perfecting yourself through knowledge mm -hmm. gamers just identify with that automatically right what are we doing when we're playing magic why are you listening to this podcast why are we making this podcast what do we always talk about ways that you can improve ways that you can think about things differently or build your decks differently or play differently or mm -hmm. interact with your opponents differently but it's all about creating advantage to perfect your game so if you already have that personality trait, you're more likely to be drawn to something to like magic, in which case you're probably going to be drawn to the color blue. Yep. It's also my favorite color. Just in general? Just in general, Like yeah. to wear? Yeah, sky blue. Although I'm wearing... I got some blue in there. It's ironic because red is my favorite color. Really? Yeah. How dare you? 
We need to switch seats. Um, it's not even a lie. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> Although I'm wearing blue today. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense that blue's the favorite color of a lot of veteran players. Yeah. Um, uh, because I think it identifies also most strongly with humans in general. Like, the idea of red and emotion, I think, is also very pertinent to humans. But green is kind of a not a human concept. It's beasts. It's, yeah, yeah exactly. And, and even red is sort of more monstrous. Mm -hmm. You know, black is sort of more demonic. White and blue are the sort of more humanistic yeah. uh, colors, for That's sure. That's why you find the most humans as well in those colors. Um, now, blue is one of the only colors that can contribute to every sort of what we call the, the necessary aspects of a deck. So a blue can ramp you mana-wise. Blue can draw you cards. Oh, blue can draw you cards. Blue can take extra turns. Yep. Blue can beat down with flyers and giant crazy sea creatures. So as like far as EDH is concerned, blue is your one-stop shop if you're looking for a color that, can, that has its toes in everything. Blue is easily the most powerful color. Yeah, and I think that's hard to argue i, I think, I think it's it impossible really... to argue the only way you can make blue not the most powerful color is by excluding sort of the earlier sets of magic mm -hmm. because in the last you know decade or so they've done a better job of balancing the color pie but in the first five years of magic blue was crazily more powerful than the rest of the colors not even close yeah um so it's very interesting uh you wrote here that blue is the color of water and air yeah so originally like uh when richard garfield designed the game he assigned the four elements to blue and red so water and air blue earth and fire red and we still see that some of those things come out you'll often see like um i don't know whelming wave and things to do with waves and water thassa uh, as well is a very yeah. iconic blue planeswalker so water creatures, merfolk is sort of the iconic tribe yeah. uh, of blue. So in fact, the Lord of Atlantis was in Alpha, so yep. the the earliest lord for a tribal uh, clan, which was which is merfolk, yep. which is also one of the most uh, vi very viable modern deck. So very viable, and pretty cool. And that, Legacy too, I think. It's, yeah. I think it's tier two or something like. I don't know. I don't know Legacy. Don't don't tweet at me. Yeah. Um, so blue, uh, blue is a color that likes to achieve its goals sort of with ultimate knowledge and information through a very directed means. So they place a, a priority on the idea of perfection. They are almost obsessed with knowledge and the thirst for knowledge. Uh, life is nurture over nature. Uh, you are what you make of it. And your destiny is, again, 100% determined by what you put into it. It's similar to how you play the game because blue is known as the color of control. It's like, I am going to be the one responsible for myself winning or losing this game. It's yes. not going to be the luck of the cards. It's whether or not I decide to like counter this or bounce that or do this here, do that there. And blue also rarely overpowers you. It usually mm -hmm. outthinks you. So it's more, blue is playing chess more than they're playing uh, right. whatever the game is where you... It, Rock and Sock'em Robots? Yeah, more than they're <laughs> boxing, right? Yeah. So... More than they're playing MMA. Do you play MMA? I guess you fight MMA. I don't know. This analogy got you away from me. You engage in MMA. Right. They're playing chess more than they're engaging in MMA. You engage. <laughs> engage. <laughs> <laughs> that was my Patrick Stewart. Not very good. Engage. Uh, yours was better. Yeah. Make I, it I, show number one. I am Pratt. I am. Patrick I just do Stewart. Sean Connery if I try and do Patrick <laughs> yeah, Stewart. Yeah, that was actually yeah, pretty Sean yeah, Connery. Yeah, that was pretty Sean Connery. That's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. I, I put down that blue attacks on a different axis than the other colors. I sort of, I put blue can read the code of the matrix. So if you think about how other colors deal with stuff, m almost all of them deal with the physical thing once it actually happens. So like green, red, white, they sort of deal with permanence on the board. Black is 
a little bit closer to blue and how they can deal stuff. We'll talk about that later. But blue will actually attack the magic, right? So they'll counter your spell. It never happens. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll get in there and they'll mess with a spell. They'll redirect it or they'll... They'll, they'll rewrite the text on it, actually, which yeah. is kind of crazy. Yeah, exactly. So they'll alter it. They'll They'll steal it away from you. So they actually are playing with the actual magic, not just the thing that the magic is trying to do, mm -hmm. which is like Neo, like reading the code of the Matrix, right? And stopping the bullets. Yeah. So that's something blue has that's super, super unique that none of the other colors are like attacking on that axis, which is another reason I think that it's so powerful is because you can sort of build your deck in a way that, that combats normal things, but you might not build it in a way that combats abnormal things and blue's mm -hmm. doing the abnormal thing yeah which is really interesting so let's look at some of the key cards that sort of originated the color of blue um counterspell has been around since the very beginning it's probably the most iconic blue card yep uh outside of that one that is not allowed in the commander would be ancestral recall so uh, we've talked about this before the there is a, a cycle the original cycle of five cards that all cost one mana and did did something that had to do with the number three essentially yep lightning bolt three damage giant growth give your creature plus three plus three and social recall draw three cards yep and dark ritual added three black mana to your mana pool and healing solve healed three life gained three life wow is that one banned <laughs> i mean it should be <laughs> it's broken broken um jk uh so Ancestral Recall, it's been drawing cards and countering spells since the very first set of Magic the Gathering, and that has set the tone for blue the entire way around. If you think um, about it, they still have those effects now. They don't cost them the same. Like, Divination costs three, and it's a sorcery. Yeah. But it draws two cards, and it's basically, uh, it's it's following the same logic that Ancestral Recall is following, right? It's yep. It's not as efficient, but... Yeah, um, and we can't, uh, of course, gloss over the fact that Blue has a connection to artifacts. So they have copy and steal artifact, were two very old original cards. Um, and I mean, it's sort of, I think, forgotten about when people talk about Blue because it's always about like counterspell or draw cards. I think those are the two that always pop in front of people's minds first. But, well, I think stealing things. Like, yeah, stealing things. Stealing things is, is very Blue. Copying things, also very Blue. In fact, we didn't talk about this earlier, but Blue doesn't actually believe in destroying or exiling things right of mm -hmm. just getting rid of it they want to alter it or change it that's in their nature what are they saying about themselves oh i can become whatever i whatever i have the knowledge to become but i can also alter the things out there if i have the knowledge for that so there's no reason to destroy things that's wasteful yeah you know so i can figure out a way that's a little bit less barbaric to deal with things i can take it and make it my own or i can you know i can dissolve the spell and send it back to your hand or i can do those types of things but they don't usually exile or destroy yeah and that's why i mean you might say that one of blue's weaknesses is they can't just singly single-handedly exile a creature but blue is also one of the only colors that see it, that that is meta enough about their own universe and sees that and goes like well we'll just find another way around to do that yeah and of course listen we should say this there have been cards in history that sort of break the color pie um in certain ways like there was that card uh, the manifest card that does exile in blue. Mm -hmm. um, but in general, the color philosophy is thus. Yep. Uh, some other key cards. Magical Hack is an example of the of blue changing the text on something. If you don't know what Magical Hack does, it basically changes a basic land word in a card to another basic land. So let's say that a creature had Island Walk. You could Magical Hack it to have Swamp Walk. Yeah. You could say, you, if somebody had Blood Moon out, 
you could make it turn all the non-basic lands into forests. Yeah. You get to change that word mountain into forest. So it's a and super... It forever. <laughs> yeah, it just changes that card. And it's a super, super unique effect. They've sort of... There's a few cards that do this, but they sort of stopped doing it. And mm -hmm. I think Morrow said it was mostly just because of memory. It, was, it wasn't because they don't like that effect. It's just, it's hard to keep the board state constant you know yeah when you rather have there's, it. there's nothing that physically changes the name of it on the card and mm -hmm. technically magical hack doesn't like sit there on the card it goes to your graveyard and so it's easy to forget in the middle of gameplay and but still a totally awesome effect yeah and they'll just make it into an enchantment that yeah. says it there instead so that you don't have to like literally be like all right that card says that etc um stasis another very iconic blue card uh stasis is Again, like blue kind of does it all. It maybe it shouldn't have stasis. Maybe this maybe breaks it a little bit. It but feels at the more same time, white these days. Yeah, but blue has the ability to also <laughs> lock people down. And stasis decks. And the the word stasis comes from blue. Yeah, well, stasis, and we also put down twiddle. I think these go into a similar category. Mm -hmm. Twiddle just allows you to tap or untap one permanent for one mana. It's an instant. It's a very old card. Um, that name is great. Yeah, blue is one of the main colors for tapping or untapping things. So allowing, you know, saying, no, tap that. No, I'm going to tap that. Or I'm going to untap this thing. Mm -hmm. And, and they also, tapped. they do the freeze effects where the, I tap it and it doesn't untap during your next untap phase. Yeah. That kind of stuff. So I think stasis fits into that category. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the original stasis is just a much more universal, broad-reaching version of that. I'm glad, by the way. That's why magic is great. You can see where it started. And by the end of this episode, we'll show you where blue has gotten to. Um, another card, Time Twister. This is one that I think... Another Power 9. Yeah, Power 9. But Day's Undoing is the closest version of that today. Um, and it's very a very interesting effect because it's all about you get seven new cards, so you get to reshape the cards that you had to become new ones. So it's very interesting. Uh, um, the, these are Yeah, like Wheel of Fortune does it, but somehow Red just also gets to do that. Like yeah. that's, that's one of the problems with early... Or Blue also gets to do that. What's one of the problems with early Magic is that they sort of gave Blue a lot of things that should have been the sole domain of other colors. Yeah. Good old blue. <laughs> Good old blue. Just um, gets, a, gets, a, gets a little bit of everything. Cyclonic Rift is the other one I think we got to mention because it's yes. the sort of boogeyman blue card of the format. It's the... I, I, I don't think there's probably a single deck with blue in it that sh shouldn't have Cyclonic Rift in it. Some yeah. don't, and those are choices people make, but I don't think there's probably a single de blue deck uh, that wouldn't be made quote-unquote, more powerful by having Cyclonic Rift if it doesn't. Yeah, and we'll talk more about that card later as well. Um, so if we talk about where blue has come today, uh, so it obviously used to be able to do everything, include ping people. Yeah, uh, they had some card. direct damage cards. I mean, Prodigal Sorcerer, and there's, a, and I think there's like a, I forget the other name of it. Let me show you, like a Thimble or something crazy. Yeah, there's another card that, like. There's like Psionic something. Psionic Blast, that's what I was thinking of. It's yeah. three mana for an instant. It does four damage to target creature and, or player and two damage to you. So it could deal direct damage back in the day. Yeah, like, which is crazy. Yeah, um, not correct. Not correct at all. Um, but now, today, blue is focused on counter spells. Usually not just straight counter spells. Uh, there's always some sort of, not downside necessarily, but added thing onto it. So They just definitely don't like to cost them at two anymore. Yeah, exactly. Unsubstantiate is the closest I think we'll have in a recent set where it's one in the blue and you can return a target spell or a permanent to its owner's hand, which is cool. You can bounce it, but it doesn't actually just physically get the card away and into the garbage, the garbage, the graveyard. Um, Throw that card in the garbage. They have a lot of counters that are like convolute where it forces the opponent to play, to pay extra mana if they want to keep the card, 
Otherwise, it's counter. So it's not a strict counterspell, as we would call it. Um, so there's a lot more of that more recently. There's, of course, stealing, copying stuff. Uh, oh, yeah, this is a great thing. Unblockable is something that blue has gotten more recently. Yeah, they're definitely the color of, well, not just unblockable, flyers. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Skulk recently is in their color. So they're definitely like super, as well. super evasive. Like blue cards generally don't like to be blocked by other cards. And when we say flyers, they share that with white. White usually gets like the smaller flyers and blue will get like the big flyers. So like a Sphinx yeah. or an Air Elemental, that kind of stuff. Um, yep. Mill. Mill is also sort of the domain of blue, which makes sense because they're the mind... Sculptors? Uh, hmm? Sculptors? Yeah, they're the mind sculptors. They're the mind magic, right? And in magic, your hand and your library represent your knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so blue, this is what I was talking about when they can read the code of the matrix. This is that attacking you on that other axis that other colors don't. They're going to attack your mind, attack your knowledge. They're actually going to attack your deck, which is not something that most of the other colors do. Black does a little. We'll talk about that a little later. Um, yep. Hexproof. This is another... They share this with Green, I think, is the other one that does mm-hmm. a lot of Hexproof. You'll find that a lot of these newer abilities or ones that are more prevalent are shared with two colors or sometimes three. But it's a nice way to give an ability to multiple colors to make them more deep. Yeah. So Hexproof from Blue sort of denotes their ability to you know, protect themselves against magic. In, in against. Green, it's, it's more... Like, they have an innate ability to mm-hmm. protect against magic, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've already talked about freezing and tapping stuff. There's affinity. Uh, so, blue, again, loves artifacts so much that it's also going to make their spells cost cheaper if you have affinity for artifacts. This is a tier one deck in modern as a result. Not as applicable in EDH, but still very interesting that blue loves to cheat mana in, in very interesting ways. And in this case, it has it's directly tied to artifacts. And then, this is a new one tokens we've sort of seen a slight push towards more tokeny stuff but um, not widespread tokens not a ton but you know there's like uh docent of perfection is one of the new ones that makes uh one one wizards and then pumps them when you flip mm-hmm. um Tal-Ran, sky summoner again triggers off of instant their sorceries and makes, makes flyers tutus. yeah and then there's stuff like uh reform yeah and there was uh chasm skulker yep so there's a and and Chasm Skulker actually triggers off card draw, which is something Blue's good at. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've definitely... And and also, um, we'll talk about this again a little later, but zombies. And zo- so zombies have sort of moved into the realm of Blue a little bit. They're still primarily black. And so there's some zombie tokens going on also in Blue. So they've yeah. definitely sort of pushed them towards tokens a little bit more than they ever have been, which I think is interesting. Yeah, and uh, they also do it with Kiora, where she can create a bunch of like oh, yeah. octopuses on the outfield. Yeah, but that's stuff, right? Yeah, that's a little like that's a little green blue mixture there. It's yep. very interesting. Um, all right, so let's move on to talking about the strengths and weaknesses of blue. Uh, to make the color wheel work, of course, in more recent design years, not original uh, alpha beta magic. Throw it away. Oh no, I came back. We got to talk about that last thing again. Then I guess. Just kidding. This leads us to strengths and weaknesses um so this is i think by far the most important part of the magic all around if any if you find people talking or like discussing whether or not a format is healthy it's because it's balanced yep um and that is really the the nuances there are so hard to really get right uh and magic has done an incredible job of it which has always impressed me especially seeing now the hearthstone fiasco that's happened over just one set but magic's been doing this for a long time so they really know what they're doing here so 
the, the strengths, we've already talked a lot about the strengths of blue. So they can do almost everything in magic. They have control aspects as well as card draw. And this is a new one. They have the draw go mentality, which is a form of magic basically where you are, you rely on instance and instant speed effects so that you can draw your card for the turn and keep yourself the most protected by simply passing the turn around and having anything. No, no one knows what could be in your hand, right? All for the entire turn cycle, and you get to choose when you do it. So the draw go mentality is something that is very iconic to blue these days, and I think a huge strength of the color as well. Yeah, I mean, blue's always been that type of the instant speed color, right? Because flash is another keyword that they have. Mm -hmm. Think of the ley lines. All the ley lines sort of denote for each color something important. Ley line of anticipation is basically all your stuff is instant speed now. So that's a very important aspect to blue and playing blue and, and one of their strengths. And you also say here being reactive, it, it, that's what it causes, right? If mm -hmm. I can react at instant speed, I don't need to play my stuff now because I can play it at any time. So I should just wait because every moment I wait, I have more knowledge than I had before yep. and I make smarter decisions. How blue is that? But being reactive, you have here, and it's very smart, it says also is a weakness, yeah, uh, so the, the sheer fact that, and this is one of the things that balances blue, is that the sheer fact that you're sitting there and waiting for other action to happen instead of creating the action yourself and being proactive, you can sometimes also get caught in sort of a bad spot because either you cannot catch up to someone that's just too proactive and outraces you, or you're ill-equipped to deal with that specific problem and being reactive and not doing something to help sort of put your front walls up has caused you to become be under attack by something that you can't actually deal with in that moment. You might have the answer in your deck, and you're, you're going to need as much information and drawing cards to get there, but you can't deal with it at that moment. So it's also a very big weakness of the color. Some other weaknesses are that blue is a little bit passive. It's not, like you said, it's not proactive, and it can be slow out the gate. Um, and when you think about things like card draw, like divination, mm -hmm. well, what's divination do? It draws you cards, but it takes mana. So you didn't actually do anything in the game during that time. You set yourself up for later doing better, but for right now, you didn't do anything. That's kind of related to what you were just talking about. Yeah, it's a delicate balance between staying alive and knowing how to control the board or stay alive in that situation uh, while still like you know accumulating knowledge and setting up your your mousetrap, essentially. Um, and, of course, this is very unique to EDH, but Counterspell and the idea of control magic and I'm going to stop you from doing what you're going to do is a, is a political danger in the game as well because a lot of people get upset at this style of play, and also a lot of people just don't like playing against it, and you can't blame someone for not liking to play against something. Uh, and as a result, can sometimes make you the target more than someone else just because you are holding up open mana and stops other people from doing stuff. I mean, a lot of times, let's be honest, like if I've got a couple creatures and I don't know who to attack, I'm going to attack the blue deck. Yeah. Because I'm going to force them to do stuff. Because yeah. them sitting there being allowed to hold their mana up and just be like, well, nothing happened. I'm just going to, you know, draw six cards. I'd rather make them use that mana or at least punish them for holding it open. Mm -hmm. And especially early in the game when yeah. they don't have the resources to actually retaliate in a way that's significant. Because let's say you do attack that person and they have, you know, they're at three land drops. What are they really going to do to your board in EDH, the one of the most powerful formats of the game that is going to like really set you back? Now, if they had 18 mana and a bunch of other things happening on the board, don't, you know, it's a bit of a riskier proposition. Well, and also that's even more like reason to do it, right? Is because later on they're going to be so much more scary. Mm -hmm. You know, the more mana 
that they've got to work with, the more different things they can answer all at once. So I might as well try to get them early. Yeah, and if they decide to wage war against you, they're going to expend their resources on one person, and that is a winnable battle for everyone else at the table. So it's usually not in Blue's best interest to be proactive and get revenge, so to speak. All right, um, let's move on. Let's talk about allied and enemy colors because we're slowly bridging into that territory. Um, now, while blue is one of the best monocolors uh, in terms of decks, uh, Memnarch comes to mind, Tauron comes to mind as very powerful generals for a uh, single color. Almost always you're going to pair blue up, and this is why blue is so good. Is because It pairs good with everything. pairs good with everything. It's like, a, it's like the perfect wine. No matter what you're eating... It is, you can find the kind of wine to fit it. And wine in general is blue. So it's like, I need a white wine. Well, that's blue. I need a red wine. That's blue. I need this. Yeah. I need a dessert it's wine. It's the universal donor. Yeah. Yeah. It's the type O blood. Um, so if you guys want to know what the allied and enemy colors are, again, look at the color wheel. Terry will bring up a picture now. There are five colors in a pentagonal shape. Black is on the bottom right. Uh, no, sorry. Blue is on the bottom right. To its left is white. To its right is black. And those are the allied colors. And across from blue is red and green. And those are the enemy colors. So Did you do that from memory? No, I wrote it down. Oh. I wish I could do it from memory. You could have just lied to me. I, well, you know, Wooberg is one of the most... I use the term Wooberg when I'm organizing stuff more than anything else with magic. <laughs> it's like, what should these go in? Wooberg. White, blue, black, red, green. Oh, uh, that's how you did it. Okay. Yeah, you get the circle there. Gotcha. Um, okay, so the enemy pairs. First up, my favorite color pairing, probably yours too. It's my second favorite. Second favorite uh, is Is It. So that's blue and red. We've talked what is about it? Is It. What is it? Is It? What is It? Is It Is It? <laughs> or Isn't It? We're waiting for Goodell. <laughs> what is he going to get here? I don't know. What are you doing? Uh, I don't know. Waiting? <laughs> Waiting wait for who? Waiting for Godot. <laughs> what are you doing? We used to play this game in high school. I don't know why. <laughs> and we would play it for like an hour. Just waiting just for Godot? See- yeah, just see who would break first, like which oh, person would man. stop waiting for anyway. Well, you would break when Godot got there, because he always, he inevitably is coming, right? Oh, yeah, of course. He shows up. I mean, why wouldn't we? I mean, we're waiting for yeah, Godot. Yeah, so he has to come. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> is it? Blue and red. Uh, so... Blue and red, you have the reactive and proactive here, where blue is reactive and red is proactive. And this equals creativity in the world of Magic the Gathering. So it's very instant and sorcery heavy. It's the opposite of creatures. So instants and sorceries matter. But there are some creatures as well, and these creatures usually care about, well... Instants and sorceries. Instants and sorceries, Or they sort of are instants and sorceries. Mm -hmm. So they either care about them... In some way, like um, Goblin Electromancer. Hypersonic Dragon. Yeah. Or they are instants and sorceries. And by that, I mean Tim. Tim's a, you know, Tim's a tap deal one damage. Well, yeah. deal one damage is a card. That's a gut shot. Mm-hmm. And so that's like a spell that's stapled onto a creature. Yeah. Uh, Niv-Mizzet, the Firemind, is sort of the idealistic. He is the mad, creative genius that wants to know everything and is also a dragon. So that's why he's red. <laughs> and again, Niv-Mizzet has drawing cards on him. So that's another spell stapled onto a creature. Yeah. Um, Actually, I found that the more I know about the color wheel, when I look at a card, it just fundamentally makes so much more yeah, sense to me. Especially with modern cards. Yeah. Some of the older cards, you're cards. like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait, why is it doing that? Yeah. Um, um, they have also artifacts. Facts matter is a new sort of thing that blue and red are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, red is very powerful with artifacts. That sort of the, red's best friend is an artifact, I think. 
Yeah, and the I, this is more new. I think that red, sort of only in the in the last like five years or so, has become one of the artifact colors. But we saw it with um, Duretti, and we saw it with a lot of the Thopter stuff in Magic Origins. I'm assuming in Kaladesh we will see a bunch uh, more mm-hmm. of the red sort of push towards artifacts definitely and and caring about artifacts and interacting well with artifacts you know felden was a newer card that ready as well yeah that interacts with artifacts so it's becoming a thing and blue has always been like we said one of the technology colors so mm-hmm. it's it's been one of the affinity colors there are, there are metalcraft cards i think in blue it, it it's always cared a little bit about artifacts as far as like having them mm-hmm. uh so let's just look at is it charm uh the charms are a great way to see like oh these three things are what is it is so is it charms blue and a red for an instant it says choose one counter target non-creature spell unless its controller pays two so we were talking about this sort of conditional counter spell earlier uh, sort of a weak mana leak yep uh, also, is it charm deals two damage to target creature? So, so that's shock. yeah, the red side of it. And then the third one is draw two cards, then discard two cards, which you could argue is both. Now, red would have it that you discard the cards, then draw them. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about this. One of the other things blue does is looting. Loot. Yeah, so looting is when you draw the card and then when you draw a card and then choose a card and discard it. And mm-hmm. red does the sort of inverse of that which is rummaging which is discard first and then draw which is great. super flavorful of course red's like i don't care i just need a card yeah. yeah whatever you know blue's like hold on let me see what i get first and then i'll just make the decision with the more since now i have more knowledge um, yeah that's why i love rummaging goblin the art for it he's just tossing <laughs> something out while looking in there he doesn't really care what he's throwing out he knows something's in there but he's more about throwing the first thing out and then getting the other thing that was great. Very flavorful. Vorthos <laughs> on point. Um, is it is also the home of the overload mechanic, which is a lot of fun. Uh, and, of course, we have Dominus of Fealty. It was one of my favorite cards that I never get to play. It's Look at the it's mana cost like on this thing. It's always like 65th or 66th card. It's impossible. to Look at this. Yeah. It's, it's five hybrid mana of blue-red, so... <laughs> But it's a 4-4, and it says, flying, at the beginning of your upkeep, you may gain control of target permanent until end of turn. If you do, untap it, and it gains haste until end of turn. So control magic, where you only get it for a limited period of time, that's, there's nothing more is it than that. Yeah, it's, it's great. Yep. I always want to play it. I never end up playing it. Um, yeah, that's another thing they share, right? Threaten effects are steal your creature for now. Mm-hmm. And... Blue sort of, yeah, blue sort of more steal your creature forever, but they do overlap because steal your creature. It's just yeah. the length of time. And your um, favorite Joyra is also is it? Yeah, Joyra of the Gitu, another is it commander, and I guess that both of them evidently must have something to do with suspending stuff because mm-hmm. she suspends the crap out of stuff. So she yeah. doesn't ironically very often cast red or blue things when she suspends them. No, she's... maybe obliterate. She's she thinks she's casting giant artifact creatures, but they're actually Eldrazi. Eldrazi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's, so this is my favorite color pair. The next one. Yeah. This next one. I mean, it makes sense. It's, it's the most powerful. It is blue and green, my friends. It is Simic, the other enemy pair, and it's funny because they work so well together. You yeah. would think, oh, they're allied pairs. Like, no, 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 they're not. But that's why they're so freaking good together. They perfectly cover each other and pair in ways that our format specifically those things are weighted a little bit heavier because yeah. of the 40 life and the length of the games. So, yeah, you have nature versus nurture written down here. Yeah, it's, we've talked about this already. Blue, of course, is all about nurture. Green is all about nature. Wait. Uh, oh, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I yeah. Switched. No, no, you're right. Is it yeah. nature versus nurture or nurture versus nature when people say it? 
Because there's a way that I think it's nature versus nurture. No, is it nurture versus nature? Is I'm here so yet? confused. Yeah. <laughs> Just what is the way that people normally say? I don't know. It? What is it? I don't know. It's not. Is it? It's simic. It's probably similar to that. Um, I was trying to say similar, but that just didn't sound good. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, combine these two together. You have the best color combo, I think, in EDH for pure just does good for your deck. Blue will draw you cards, and green will ramp you cards. We talk about it every episode, the two most important categories. Um, it, there's just not a lot else to say. Mm-hmm. If you have blue and green in your deck, then you're covered in those categories with the best cards in each one. Yeah. And... Here's the one of the reasons blue is so powerful, and we were talking about this before the show, which is that of those two categories, and they're undoubtedly the two most important, the harder to replace is card draw. Oh, yeah. Because you can play Signets, Soul Ring, Thrawn Dynamo, Gilded Lotus, Worn Power Stone. Sorry, Terry, you got to put all those cards up. <laughs> um, but you can play a bunch of artifacts that ramp you. What are the card draw artifacts? Mind's Eye? Mm-hmm. I mean, what's the Ristic Study for for artifacts there is not yeah what's the brain geyser for artifacts what's the you know you can go down that list and it's a lot harder to find the equivalent replacements so anyway but green is definitely better than mana rocks like if you play i don't know sky shroud claim or explosive vegetation or burgeoning that's just way stronger than playing signet signet thrawn dynamo because it's a lot easier to destroy, and it's a lot more acceptable to destroy artifacts than it is lands. So your lands are mostly safe. Now, yeah. obviously, it's it's more of a format thing because what we find sort of, I don't know, slightly distasteful in the format in general is land destruction. Yep. It also just doesn't make sense if you just have one-off land destruction and you're trying to get rid of, like, what, basic lands? It's just, yeah, you're it, going to get rid of it. their Cabal Coffers. You know, you're not yeah. going to get rid of, like, 10 of their lands. So just getting lands into play is good for you because they're not all going to be Cabal Coffers. Yeah, and it's just not worth it for your opponents to even go after them. So as much as it is taboo in the format, it just doesn't make sense for unless they're trying to destroy all the lands, in which case it affects them as and well. And that's very... Again, taboo in the format. Not not 100%. In our playgroup, we're pretty open to it. But, uh, you know, most playgroups are not super uh, happy about land destruction. But that makes green even more powerful than it would be because the things that would keep it in check are just sort of socially unacceptable. Yeah. The, and you just don't... I feel like even if it is was socially acceptable, you just wouldn't see it that often because it just... It oftentimes just doesn't feel worth it to be yeah. blowing up all yeah. the lands and then trying to plan your game around that. Um so in the same way that green's ramp is better than blue's with artifacts, green's creature-based draw and blue has spell-based draw. So green will be like Soul of the Harvest, you know, draw a bunch of cards for big creatures and stuff, but you have to play them. While blue can be like, I'm just going to draw six cards with one spell. And that's, again, a much harder thing to interact with is a sorcery in an instant as opposed to a creature on the board with a static effect or enchantment ability latched onto them. Yeah, they round each other out really well because green's the color that the most wants to tap out during its own turn, mm-hmm. and blue is the color that the least wants to tap out during its own turn, which seems like it wouldn't work out great, but it gives you more versatility. Like, you don't have to do one or the other. You can do both when you have this color pair. This color pair is just so strong. Yeah. I mean, the card that was just banned, Prophet of Crufix, green, blue. Yep. Yeah, and it's a super strong card. Duh. Yeah. Again, green is also the... I think it's probably the secondary color as far as untapping like lands and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's probably the, actually the first, it's probably first in untapping specifically lands. Um, 
because it has like voyaging satyrs yep. and and stuff like that. Kira's follower Kira's also followers exactly untaps are permanent. Yeah, yeah. But blue also untaps stuff, which is another way to ramp right. Like mm-hmm. to ferry the planeswalker can untap lands, which can sort of so and Garrick as well. So they they definitely combo together in a happy fun world. I good mean, jo- good job, so blue good. green. Yeah. yeah, it makes sense. They're so good. I still like isn't. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Actually, if I no, I have more decks with green and blue than I do, but I have. A, a, uh, I don't think I have a deck that's just green and blue, mm-hmm. but I have two decks that are just red and uh, blue. So nice. I'm with you. All right, let's quickly move on to the allied pairs. So Demir is blue and black. Blue wants to change the world. Black wants to control it. So of course they're friends because they both want control and sort of uh, perfection more on blue's side, but perfection through control and black's just like, I just want the world to subvert to my way of seeing it. Uh, so of course, of course, blue, black control is the main archetype here. Very secretive, takes its time. It's subtle. Has card draw in both colors as well. Mm-hmm. Back, black usually has to pay a price, just mm-hmm. pay some life. But uh, And these guys love to steal cards from graveyards. They love to uh, make and libraries And libraries. They like yep. to make a bunch of zombos as well. That's new. Um, so I, I, I like blue-black a lot. Blue and black, we, t- we alluded to this earlier, they both um, attack your hand in library. So black your hand more. Mm-hmm. than your library but black can also do like those surgical extraction things where it goes in and like takes specific cards out of your library and blue does similar things right where it sort of mills out your library and it used to go in and steal cards from your library and play them but they still does bribery right i mean that's a used to like they don't print that card right. anymore <laughs> yeah <that laughs> they don't no, no 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 yeah <laughs> but but they both attacked on that axis and that and i would say that black is the other color that's sort of the most aware of the matrix yeah. It doesn't know it in the same way blue does, but it's aware that it's there. Whereas I don't think green even knows that the matrix is even there. It's never going to attack your mind. Yeah. It's well, green, not. the matrix is reality. They're happily eating their steak. Exactly. Being, you know. Exactly. They are like ignorance is bliss. I don't even want to know. Actually, about they're it. not. E- they're not eating steak. I was making another matrix reference. Anyway, uh, Azorius is the final allied colors. It's blue and white. So white likes. Uh, blue likes white because they also have a sort of this thing of order and uh, knowledge and institutions and study to them as well. So that's why Azorius is all about thoughtful planning, uh, control as rules. well. Rules. Rules, a lot of rules. Um, Using now, rules as a weapon, kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, white looks at blue and they see the value of their careful thought. And blue looks at white and likes their intelligence. And they're, so they also seek to have a lawful, orderly society, uh, sometimes a little too much. But that all falls in line with what blue likes. We've said this before, but the Federation from Star Trek is kind of like the marquee, yeah, blue-white, you know, in popular co- culture thing. Mm-hmm. They're like, if we just get a bunch of intelligent individuals in a room together, we can resolve or solve any problem, you know. And we can create laws and rules that will keep society humming. You know, but they still manage to find themselves in crazy wars all the time. Yeah, because, you know, well, it's it's ironic because Spock is like super blue white. Yeah. But Kirk is not blue white. He's white red. Oh, yeah. 100% has red in him. Yeah. He's like, whatever. I'm mad. Let's go get him. Yeah. You know, that's like, well, that is against the prime directive. You know, yeah. he's like, I don't care about no prime directive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Spock is definitely he embodies the he's not emotional, but he's detached. And that's very blue, is to d- d- detach emotion. We should have said about Demir that like so being a sociopath is sort of within mm-hmm. that range, right? Because you detach emotion, and then you also detach morality, and what do you get? You get Dexter. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> um, uh, let's blue, talk... Oh, yeah. Blue-white also has like the... the Well, white has the most answers to stuff that are 
permanence on the board. Exiling. And then blue has the most answers to stuff that aren't on the board yet. And so together, they sort of create the longest type of games in general. And they also have stacks. You know, mm-hmm. stacks is stasis and white Coming gets... Coming play tapped. Yeah, white gets all these, like, let's change the rules of how everything works. Like, big creatures can't untap now, or non-white creatures can't untap now, mm-hmm. or blah, blah, blah. So they're very... They're very for like setting rules and making new rules. Yeah, definitely. That's why they're able to lay down the supreme verdict. Yes. Grand Arbiter, Augustine, what's that do? It changes the rules of the game. Your spells all cost more. Mine don't. They cost yeah. less. So, uh, and also they're the flicker colors. Yep. Which is sort of the most fun and I think comes into play the most for our format. Although Stacks probably does a lot too. So, Brago, classically, yeah. classically, not classically, it's new. Uh, Brago, though, does. Like flickers any permanence of yours, Brago. basically. Brago's awesome, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and of course, we have the shards and the wedges, which are the other sort of pizza slices of the color uh, wheel. And we'll talk about those in another episode. We have to figure out how to really address them because when you start talking about more colors, you just, the, the it's very hard to focus. <laughs> I think once we get to shards and wedges, it's almost more about the two missing colors than it is about the three that are there. Yeah. Same with four color, which we're going to have some interesting discussions coming up. I'm excited. That's going to be fun. That's going to be a lot of fun. All right. Our final section here is how to best, well, second and final section is how to best use blue in EDH. We're bringing it home to you guys now at your, you know, local playgroups or whatever. Uh, blue, obviously, one of the most popular colors in EDH. Pairs so well, like a fine blood type wine <laughs> with every other color. Um, and even in five color decks, would you say that blue is the most important color in that deck outside of green, potentially? Yeah, it's all, almost always going to be one of those two. It depends if you're building like a specific deck that might want like a specific thing from one of the other colors. But yeah. it's, uh, I mean, nine times out of ten, it's it's blue or green. Yeah. Uh, and if we went through all of our top ten lists and had to make a top ten out of that, I still think Cyclonic Rift would be almost at number one. I can't really think... I mean, like, Soul Ring, sure, but we exclude it from the list for a reason. And we also exclude Cyclonic Rift from our list because it's so I, clearly... It's possible powerful. Cyclonic Rift is even better than Soul Ring in our format. Mm-hmm. I mean... Uh, in terms of... Have you ever had a single card get you a, like, 25 for one? Because that's what that can, that card can I do. I mean, I've had Cyclonic Rift do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's... I can't think of another card that's potentially more powerful than that. I would even yeah. put it as more powerful than Prophet of Crufix and a number of cards on the ban list. Um, I'm not saying we should ban it because I'm against banning cards in general, but it is awesome. Yeah. Uh, and also, uh, finally, blue really, I think, appeals to players that want to win because they were behind the wheel and not because it was something like chaos or chance or p- politics that got them there. It's like, no, blue controlled this. I used my brain powers to win the game. Um Blue, as a result, it's not very obvious how it functions because it has all of these different angles of attack, like you said. It really is in the matrix here. Um, so you might decide that you want to counterspell your way to victory or you want to beat people with pure card advantage or you want to win with, like, capsize buyback uh, or you want to take infinite turns. A lot of paths to victory. So often the colors that you pair with are what help you decide the path you're going to go down. Like, that, I think, is more important to deciding your win con than blue itself because blue is just so good with it. Well, it's funny because... Blue is going to stabilize you and protect you, but usually the other color will bring the win con. Not always, mm-hmm. but very often. Yeah. Um, Blue Blaze Control, I think, is very strong, but it's pretty limited, too. And I, I found that Talran decks suffer from this, especially, because you have to be able to offset the reactive nature of what you're doing with the abilities that balance it out and keep you proactive. So, like, Tempo is really good in 1v1, right? Tempo right. means, like, hey, you played a creature on turn three. I'm going to play my Mana War, bounce it to your hand, and then you have to essentially take a turn off while I got to develop my board. 
that's not so important in EDH because a lot more a lot more people are playing and a lot bigger stuff is happening. So you're constantly warring if you're trying to play control your card advantage against card disadvantage when you're one for oneing a spell, you're counterspelling something because it's constantly like, you, are you gonna be able to draw enough cards and have enough mana to keep doing this for three players around the table? Are you only gonna control one? It's hard to sort of navigate those roads, to, uh, those waters to victory. You usually can't do it that way. You have to set up some sort of engine, you know, Glen Alendra with mm -hmm. something that gives her a plus, with like a, I don't know, a um, rune, something like that. Something where you can reset it. Yeah. Uh, perplexing Chimera with a, a recursive flick, flicker effect. Yeah. Those type of things. That's the type of like locks that you have to get into um, to play that kind of game because. Well, Talrand is an awesome deck, and if people don't know it at the table, it can definitely win a lot of games. But if everybody decides, like, well, that's the counterspell deck, let's all go get them, it, it can't, it has trouble, right? Because yep. it can't counter everything. It just doesn't have the mana to do it. Yeah, and you're not going to win by being just purely reaction reactionary. Like, it's like, cool, you've countered everything, but you're not actually winning the game at this point. So you need to be able to bring down the hammer as blue. And that's usually with the other color, or you're you know you're using your giant stormtide leviathan to get in there and 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 smack people down with just pure creature based combat or mill, but that's very hard to attain in EDH as well. Attack the Talran deck, yeah. Attack the Talran deck, yeah. Force it to use its stuff. All right. Yep. Um, so counterspell and control, obviously a hallmark of blue in EDH. Cyclonic Rift, Mystic Confluence. I can't talk about how good this card is. Super good. I think it's one of the best. I wish I had more of them. Yeah, it's it was printed in uh, Commander 2015. I think it's one of the best counterspells ever created. It's Cryptic Command, but it can be better. Yeah, it can be better, and it's slightly less restrictive mana-wise. So it's three blue-blue. Cryptic Command is one blue-blue-blue. Uh, it's an instant, and you get to choose three. Uh, and you can choose the same mode more than once. Counter-target spell unless its controller pays three, so that's mana leak. You could mana leak something up to nine mana or six mana. Uh, you can also return target creature to its owner's hand, or you can do that three times, or draw a card. You can do that three times. So it's incredibly flexible. Sometimes you just want to draw three cards. Sometimes you want to bounce two creatures, draw a card. Sometimes you want to counter a spell and then draw a card and bounce a creature at the same time. Like, the possibilities are endless. Well, blue... Not endless. Blue and what we talked about earlier, like draw ghost style, is usually like you want multiple options. You want to have a counter spell up so that mm -hmm. if something scary happens, you can counter it. But then you want to have another option that's good for you if nothing scary happens, so that you're not in the situation where like nothing scary happened, I did nothing. Yeah. You so Mystic Confluence does that on one card. Sits there and holds a counter spell up, and then even if they play it, you can still do something good, which is like counter that, mm -hmm. draw two cards. And it very often happens. I think we were all wondering how often is a mana leak good? Most of the time, people are using all of their mana. And in the mm -hmm. few cases they aren't they almost never have just nine extra mana to spare. So Mystic Confluence can almost always counter the thing you want to, and very often it can also draw you a card or two or bounce something. Um, yeah. Just that versatility, man. That card is so good. Yeah, usually a blue deck will hold something like a Jace's Ingenuity, which costs the same as Mystic Confluence, but just draws you three cards, and a Counterspell. So yeah. it would have to have two cards in its hand to be able to effectively say, draw, go. And so it knows, like, okay, you can do this at the end of the turn. But Mystic Confluence just has it all built in there. Would you, if you could only play one, Mystic Confluence or Cryptic Command? Oh, it depends on the deck. Because if I'm, like, a, a blue-green tokens deck, I want Cryptic Command because it can also win me the game by tapping down If you're going to attack with creatures, yeah. then you want Cryptic Command. I think Mystic Confluence in a vacuum is just more powerful. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Especially for EDH, where getting to five mana and four mana is negligible, the difference between the two. 
Um, okay. Uh, Blue has also got a lot of tutors, of course, uh, and their tutors range from getting just instants and sorceries to also getting artifacts. So Fabricate is two in the blue for a sorcery where you search your library for an artifact, reveal it, and put it into your hand. That seems wrong. It seems like they shouldn't be able to do that, which is a lot of blue cards seem that way. So I guess just add it to the hey, list. Hey, I'm not complaining. Yeah. Uh, this was an M10 in Plane Chase. I have so many Fabricates because I put it in almost every deck because the worst case scenario, which is go get a soul ring, is not that bad. Yep. Uh, go get have... the most powerful card in Magic. Yeah. <laughs> is that bad? It's not bad at all. <laughs> you mean Cyclonic Rift? <laughs> well, in that case, you can use Merchant Scroll. It's one in the blue for a sorcery. Segwayman. You... Yeah. <laughs> There's Godot. Uh, search your library for a blue instant, reveal it, and put it into your hand and shuffle your library. Uh, so sorcery speed, but it does it goes straight into your hand. Yep. Whereas Mystical Tutor, which was just reprinted in uh, Eternal Masters, is instant, but it puts it on top of your library. And you can get a sorcery as well. So... I don't know how many times I've merchant scrolled for Cyclonic Rift, but it's a lot. Yeah. And I keep telling people about this, but Muddle the Mixture it's is gone up in price, so they're of, listening to you. It's one of the best counter spells that blue can get because it's blue blue for an instant that just counter target instant or sorcery spell, but it also has transmute. Only as a sorcery, but you pay the transmute cost to discard the card and you cycle it for a card that's the same CMC as the card that you discard. So in this case a two CMC card and put it into your hand. So it's a tutor for a two drop. If you build your deck to take to make use of this, you have a counter spell. You can also tutor out a very powerful card. You can get Fork. You can get Counterspell. You can get Merchant Scroll, which will allow you to go get the card you actually want. Yeah. You can get Demonic Tutor. You can get Regrowth. Oh, man, there's so many really good cards that you want to get. You can be Permanence, get. too. You could get yep. uh, a Stoneforge Mystic. So That seems good. Pretty good. You could get Snapcaster Mage. Oh, yeah. You could get Jace Vrind's Prodigy. Snapcaster Mage to bring the model to make sure back. Seems awesome. Oh, man. Great. I'm loving it. Um... Pure card advantage. Ristic Study has to be one of the best cards in the game, right? There's nothing better than Ristic Study on turn three or turn. I actually, if somebody asked me what's the best card draw spell, I might say Ristic Study. It's the card that I often will put like Enlightened Tutor in the deck just to go find, just to have another copy of Ristic Study. Makes sense. I will off because it allows you to Enlighten Tutor on turn two. Even though that's card disadvantage, you know you're going to get that card back and it's going to put you so far ahead. Like a turn three Ristic Study, I wish. We had data on the win percent mm. because I guarantee that it ratchets up your win percent like 10% more. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Absurd. Um, and just how many cards it draws you over the course of the game on average, right? Like yeah. In, I mean, if you get it out on turn game. three, there's a really good chance it draws you six, seven cards for three mana. Yeah. If even that. Sometimes we go even more because yeah. everyone's just tapping out and they want to play they, as much stuff as possible. They have to. It's turn three. If they could have played... Two drops, they would have already played them. They're yeah. not. Do they want to wait until turn five to play their four drops? That if if one of them doesn't do that, then they have to all do it because mm -hmm. it's like you're just going to be behind to the other player. Like it's impossible to deal with early. Yeah. Uh, another way that blue gets pure card advantage, and again, it's like why do you just get all these things? It has right of replication, which is one of the oh, best clone effects in the game it has a kicker five so it's two blue blue normally but you can pay an extra five as you cast the sorcery to put a token on the battlefield that's a copy of target creature and when it's kicked you put five of those tokens on the battlefield instead so you get five copies of a card for nine mana i mean if you do like gray merchant you win yeah if i did this the other night i did snapcaster mage and, mm -hmm. just, and you just targeted five different things and cast yeah, all of them. Yeah, I was in Mizzix, yeah. and it was, that was a win. Like, very often, a kick's right of replication is instant win. Yeah. Uh, there's just so many ways that this can just go infinite by itself with one other thing on the board. Or just 
do enough that it's almost impossible for people to come Five back. Five hoofs. Yep. I've seen it happen. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. So, Blue gets a little bit of everything. Omniscience is also just like, oh, this is man. like pure, like, I get to do everything. I am omniscient. Seven blue, blue, blue. Enchantment. You cast not nine cards from your hand without paying your man cost. So, you can just go dump you your whole hand You can just play any card for, without worrying about mana. Yeah. Which is nuts. <laughs> um. They also have a lot of cloning effects, like we said before. Vesuvian Shapeshifter, I think, is one of my new favorites. Is this the Morphe one? Yeah, so Vesuvian Doppelganger used to be my favorite uh, card in Magic back when I was a kid, because yep. I love the art. Vesuvian Shapeshifter is a homage to that, but arguably better. Actually, it's better. So it's a creature you can morph for three, and then you can flip it for one in the blue to copy a creature. And then at the beginning of your upkeep, you can turn that card down and reuse it every single turn to be something new. Yep. Nuts. It's part of the, uh, what is it, Pickles Lock? Pickles. Gavin Verhey taught that to me. He taught it to me by destroying me with it. Not just you. I think he destroyed a few people with it. Yeah. So. That, in that game, I believe you also died to it and yeah. probably Craig and a few other people. Yep. Uh, it's Brian Elemental that, that lets you get in that Pickles lock, which makes everyone skip their next untap step. So you can just do it forever. And, and then ever. Vesuvian Shapeshifter allows you to just keep doing that. Yeah. So you basically say, no one's untapping ever except me. How mean. Except me. All right, let's talk about some cards you might not think of in blue. Uh, basically, how blue can sometimes break the color pie. We have Prodigal Sorcerer. We've talked about it already in Instant Damage Dealer. They a even pinger. moved pingers into red because they were like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. But yeah, there's like Ghost Ship, I think. or Yeah, Ghost Pi- Ship. No, or maybe it's Pirate Ship. Um, I think it's Pirate Ship. Yeah, it's yeah, Pirate, pirate ship. ship that also pings. So, you know, they fixed it eventually, but they still have a few cards laying around that do ping. Yeah. Um, there's also Patron of the Moon. I found out about this card. It's five blue blue for this uh, five four flyer. It has this thing called Moonfolk Offering. Let's not talk about that. Uh, it has an ability where for one mana, you can put up to two land cards from your hand onto the battlefield tapped. What the heck? In I've blue. never even heard of this card. Yeah, it breaks the color pie up. I mean, I don't think blue should be allowed to dump no. lands randomly onto the battlefield. What? Yeah. That is just wrong. And you, it costs one mana and you don't have to tap it. So if you have four lands, you can just pay two mana into it? Yeah pretty crazy blue is so broken <laughs> speaking of the moon uh glenn's card imprisoned in the moon is yeah. it doesn't technically break the color pie but it feels like it does it's which uh, is why it's so great i yeah, love that, that you balance. enchant creature land or planeswalker enchanted permanent is a colorless land with tap add diamond mana to your mana pool and loses all other card types and abilities so it's kind of like song of the dryad mm-hmm. um but not because it doesn't get re- i mean it doesn't it just I don't know. It's in Blue's nature to change and morph stuff, right? But it doesn't feel right for it to be able to deal with a permanent on the bat that's already on the battlefield By the way, in lo- this way. Look who's helping Tamio out do it. That's a green mage. Is it Nissa? It's Nissa. Green and blue, friends forever. Why is Nissa on there and it's just a blue card? <laughs> Glenn, Maybe. you broke the color pie. It's awesome because because <laughs> blue like like blue needed a stronger card. Glenn but- sitting in chair going like. Um, no, I didn't. This is the new, like, we're, we're going to get into the era, not era, the realm of, like, what Tuck was, I think, with these cards, these Song of the Dryads and that kind of stuff where... Yeah. Because if you put that on a commander, they don't get the choice to put that into their command zone. It's just a land now, and they have to deal with that enchantment. Yeah. So it's this, it's running into similar problems, I think, that Tuck, is gonna, that Tuck ran into, which is the argument was basically, like, certain colors couldn't deal with their commander being tucked. Mm-hmm. Well, those same colors or... Like red, what does red do? Like if you if you have a red commander out and they're mono red, and you imprison in the moon their commander, they don't have art or enchantment removal. They got one card. They got chaos warp. They have greater Gargadon. I guess they have high market. 
Yeah, they have high market. They have sack outlets like uh, Care Keep, I think. But is you the always sack had that with Tuck. Yeah. So anyway, just saying. Yeah, it's tough. Um, another card that I really like is Teferi, Mage of Jalfir. Two blue, blue, blue for a legendary creature human wizard with flash. It's a 3-4. I mean, this card is as blue as it gets, but it's awesome. Creature cards that you own that aren't on the battlefield have flash, and each opponent can cast spells only any time he or she could cast a sorcery. So it slows everyone down because they can't do their instant shenanigans anymore. Plus, you don't have to worry. You don't have to sit there and be like, how much mana you got up? Hmm, do I want to play this? You yeah. just be like, is it your turn? No? Okay, then I don't have to worry about you countering anything. Yeah, super blue. Another and I love it. Um, giving stuff flash is really important in, in blue as well. So that's why Leyline of Anticipation is also one of my favorite cards. You just get that with Seedborn Muse, and you built your own Profit Crew Fix. Yeah, there you go. Just a few, what, two-card combo? <laughs> I've been building my own Profit of Crew Fixes a lot lately. Yeah. With Vidalcanari and Seedborn or whatever. It's pretty powerful. Yeah. It's good. Um, all right, let's talk about some mono-blue commanders. Uh, I built recently a Muzio, Muzio oh, yeah, a Visionary a cool deck. Architect deck. By the way, this is another commander from Conspiracy, which is why I love... I'm so excited for Conspiracy, because, boy, if it even comes close to what it did for EDH the last time around, oh, boy, no lights out. No pressure. No pressure. Eh. No pressure, Glenn. They can't change anything about it now, of course. <laughs> uh, Muzio's one blue blue for a 1-3 legendary creature human artificer. For three in the blue, you can tap it to look at the top X cards of your library, where X is the highest converted mana cost among artifacts you control. You may reveal an artifact card from among them and put it onto the battlefield. Uh, not mana cost X or less, just any card that's an artifact in those cards that you looked at, and then you put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. So Bloodseal Colossus could come out for four mana. Wait, we have to recap, because anybody who doesn't know what that card does still doesn't know. Yeah, you every use time... Muzio, and you count how many artifacts you have out, and then no, no, that... no, you count the highest CMC. Oh, sorry. So if you have like a six-drop uh, artifact, then you get a scry. You get to look at the top six cards in your library, and then from those six cards, you get to reveal an artifact card and put it onto the battlefield. the The cards you're look the 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 X, which is the CMC of your highest artifact, is how many cards you look at. It doesn't yeah. have anything to do with what you find there. If you find an artifact, you pick one and just put it right onto the battlefield. Yep. That's what I didn't get about this card until you started playing this deck, and I was like, wait, what? Yeah. So, Light steel. Again, you just want to put out some giant, crazy things. Sometimes on, like, turn four. Yeah. That's Even what's insane. Want, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I guess we could talk about Memnarch. Uh, another crazy artifact commander yeah. card. One uh, of Craig Blanchett's strongest decks as well. Every time he brings that out, I'm just like, oh, no, this sucks. Yeah, we're going to get all my stuff stolen. It's a seven drop. That's a four five. One blue blue target permanent becomes an artifact in addition to its other types. And then three in the blue gain control of target artifact. No tapping necessary. He just runs around stealing all your junks. He can steal your lands. Yeah. <laughs> he's done that to me where he's like, I don't know what else to steal. I'm just going to start taking your lands. And you're just like, oh, am I dead yet? He can also steal uh, your imprisoned in the moon land too. Just get there, right? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's wrap it up. Uh, Remember to go read Morrow's articles. They're going to be in the description. Uh, they're very well thought out, and they really do a nice, nice breakdown of the color. And it's a great way to get inspired about a deck you're building, or like sort of like the path you want to take with it. So the color pie is a super interesting way to look at the game, and mm -hmm. it will out. It will definitely inspire you. Yeah. All right. To the listeners, is there any way that you guys play blue that's unconventional that we didn't talk about? I'd like to hear it. There probably is, because there's a lot of ways to play blue. Yeah, and I'm sure that if we wanted to, this is already one of our longer Color Wheel episodes, we could sit here and just talk about it forever. That's just how, glu that's glu just how good blue is. Oh, I thought you said that's just how gluten works. I'm waiting for Godot. <laughs> <laughs> waiting for blue. Uh, you just said go. 
I can take my turn? Oh, we should have... I got the song we should have sang. You know, I always think of the good song, like, later on in the episode. Is it Blue by FL65? I'm blue. The fact that I can predict it means... with the blue little window and a blue Corvette, and everything is blue for him and himself, and because he ain't got no one to listen. I never understood that song, but I know those words. I'm really glad that I don't, and you do. That space in your brain. I mean, you're a true blue mage. You wanted all the information about that song and the lyrics. So I'm blue. All right, Card Kingdom. You know, Card Kingdom has a blue logo. Just saying. So it's on theme here. And it looks like the Rook, my favorite chess piece. That's your favorite chess piece. Sweet. It has nothing to do about Card Kingdom. But make sure you visit Card Kingdom. Buy all your cards there. Use the affiliate link cardkingdom.com slash command zone. It'll help us out. Yep, that will definitely help us out. Okay, time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. I went to my game show voice, Jimmy, because I'm trying to buy us time to think of something cool. I thought you had something. I don't. Let me think. (laughs) Um, blue. Let's talk about your encyclopedic knowledge of weird random songs. That's well, something else. It's just all songs. I don't know why. Really? Because I'm awful at remembering lyrics. What's What's a talent that you have that you think is pretty unnatural? That's uh, like unnatural. That, not unnatural. Just like not common. Something that is unique to you that not many other people have. I don't know. I guess remembering song lyrics. How about you? Probably not remembering song <laughs> lyrics. I don't know if you count so that as a talent. So which one's though. unique? Because only well, no, maybe the world's an interesting place. Let's We're get all both unique. unique. We're all unique. We're all unique and beautiful snowflakes. I do like that that idea though, because there's always some random thing like, oh yeah, I can just do this. Like what? You're a master woodworker? Why didn't you tell me? It's like yeah, you know, I, I apprenticed with my dad for five years growing up, and you're like, oh, cool. <laughs> people are there's a lot of depth to people, and it's interesting uh, when you like how little you know about people sometimes. You're like, wait, I've been playing magic with that person for four years. I didn't know that. I just recently realized that uh, if you guys use Twitch at all, there is an emote that's not like this, which is someone someone doing this with their hands. Uh, And it's always posted in in magic chats when someone floods out. Not like this. Not like this. Not like this. this. Speaking of the Matrix. Oh, yeah. It's a segue man. I don't know if that was a segue. That's pretty good. Um, but I didn't realize it, but that's actually uh, our friend Ben SW that works at Twitch. And I've known Ben. For, oh, really? Yeah. I, I met him like maybe a half year, a year ago, because he's also friends with Brian Tran. And he plays Magic and used to play competitively back in the day. I got another song. Yeah? It's a small world after oh, no. all. It's a small world after all. It's a small world after all. We're singing a lot this episode. Make sure you check out the Masters of Modern Podcasts, our sister podcast. Alex and Ben talk about mass. Well, they don't talk about masters. They talk about modern mm-hmm. and all things competitive magic. You can find them on Twitter at the MMCast or uh, on RocketJump.com, right next to us on, under the podcast tab. Yeah, our editor for this show is Terry Robertson. Uh, he does a great job with the video versions of the show, so make sure you guys go to youtube.com slash podcast if you want to see card images when they come up. It's a much more fun way to enjoy the show if you're not on the road or in your car or mowing the lawn when you listen to our podcast. Uh, I know there's one person that definitely mows the lawn while they listen to our podcast. So I know keep... Magic Man Sam is jogging. Yeah, there you go. Keep jogging, keep mowing, and keep watching on YouTube. And thanks to Jeffrey Palmer, who does the Living Card animations. You can find him at Living Cards MTG. It's the coolest intro to a YouTube show I've ever seen. It's ours. And I've seen a lot of YouTube. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Is that a game show voice? That's my game show voice. 
and we'll see you when Godot gets here. Peace! Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.